Sorry. I didn't quite realise I was coming on quite so quick. Which is a bit of a story. Um, for those of you who read your notice sheet, you may notice that I'm not Ben Martin. Um, I'm slightly taller, slightly older, slightly wider. I know you were thinking it, so I might as well mention it. Um, well, yeah, that, that sounds a bit arrogant. No, uh, I, maybe, you know, it's not always guaranteed just because you're a little bit older that you're a little bit wiser. But there we go. Yes, unfortunately, Ben's not able to give this preach as he's focusing on a much more important priority of supporting his wife as their daughter was born this morning, uh, very early this morning. And uh, so I've taken over the preach. So I do, will apologise if I'm a little bit all over the place this morning or a little disorganised as I I'm not as familiar with it as one that I would have prepared. Ben's done all the hard work, so it might it'll probably make me look good, but there you go. And um, as you know, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the value of church planting. And um, as Ben rightly pointed out, we're going to get uh, an almost immediate opportunity to put that value into practice as we give to the work of church planting in the UK, in New Frontiers. And uh, so we've got teaching and application all in one morning. So that's cool. So the value that we're looking at this morning is church planting. And uh, that is that BFC... Oh, my notes don't make any sense. That BFC is and will continually strive to be a church planting church. Because we don't believe that the best way to reach a community is to run a mega evangelistic event. We, re- we think... We know that the best way to reach a community is to plant a church. And um, just to give us some background, really, this church is a fruit of church planting. Uh, We were planted out of Horsham. uh, It's now nearly 11 years ago in October. And uh, four years after that as well, the leader of this church, with a few others, went out and planted another church in Chichester. So it may be a value that we don't deal with on a daily basis, but it's something that's part of what we are as a church. And it is an attitude that we want to keep in this church, whether or not we're actively church planting. And we're going to look at the subject of church planting, looking at three topics, really. The need, that's the need for church planting. The costs, that's the cost of church planting. And the benefits. And then I'm going to wrap up. The band are going to come back, we're going to, we're going to worship, and within that worship, we're going to give to the work of church planting in the UK. And uh, so we're going to start by looking at the need. And Ben did some research and came up with some statistics, which I think are really helpful. But one thing to point out is we're not going to be looking at nations. We're going to be looking at what we call people groups, which is a much more helpful way to look at this subject. And a people group is really a group of people who can communicate with one another, who hold the same culture and the same values. And uh, you could say in the UK we have four people groups. You could say we've got the English. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it, coming up? The English, the Scots, the Welsh and the Irish. But in fact, it is reckoned that there are 101 people groups in the UK. We are now a very cosmopolitan nation. And it's reckoned that there are 16,653 people groups in the world, of which over 7,000 have not been reached with the gospel, which represents about 5.5 million people. 
No, that's not wrong. I'm reading the wrong bit here. Sorry. They, basically, there are 7,000 groups of people who do not have enough Christians, do not have their own church, their own indigenous church, who can evangelize their people. And actually, this represents, I get it right now, 3 billion people with no access to the gospel, who in their entire lives may never meet a Christian. And actually, we've got some friends here from India. And most of those people groups, a very large number, are actually in the subcontinent of India. There are many races in India who have never heard the gospel. People are working in those areas, but at the moment they haven't heard the truth about Jesus. And even in the UK, of those 101 people groups, it's reckoned that there are 27 who haven't yet been reached, who haven't yet heard the gospel. And that could be up to five and a half million people. I was surprised at how many that was. And even if we look at our majority population, evangelical Christianity is hardly thriving, representing anything between five and ten percent of the population. And I think that's probably a high estimate. And there are huge parts of our population that do not have a Bible based church, a grace centered church. There are schools, workplaces, streets. Um, whole estates or towns where there isn't a Bible-believing church. I was quite surprised that the church in Portsmouth is about to plant out a church in a town called Waterlooville, just outside Portsmouth, which is, I think, probably the size of Horsham. And there isn't really a decent church in that place yet. Certainly not an evangelistic church that is reaching out to people. And I was quite shocked to hear that. And um, currently, New Frontiers, the group of churches that we belong to, that we hold similar values with, have around 50 church plants. That number's a bit of an estimate, but we reckon there's about 50 church plants, as well as all the churches that exist in our movement, which is great. But even if we add in all the church plants from any other evangelical church, and um, that would include the Anglicans, they planted a church a couple of years ago in Brighton using a, a big, you know, that big church in the middle of Brighton, St. Peter's, um, we're hardly scratching the surface of the need in this nation. And um, really, God can build churches out of nothing. Sometimes he even supernaturally will break in. We hear a lot about Muslims who have visions of Jesus, and they hear about this man, and he comes and he speaks to them, and then they meet a Christian, and sometimes a church starts. But actually, the best way that Jesus is revealed to people is through his church. I mean, we can read about that in Ephesians 3, verse 10, where it says, His, that's God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because although God can break through into situations sovereignly, it doesn't mean that we must forget that we have a great commission responsibility, which is to go into all the nations and make disciples of all the nations. And the writer and uh, pastor Bill Hybels tells us that the local church is the hope of the world. I love that. Um, And he says that what the world needs is spirit-filled, grace-centered churches in every town, village and city. They need dynamic group of believers who love Jesus and his church and who are passionate about reaching their community with the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that will require millions of believers who have an attitude like Paul, as he declares in Romans fifteen twenty, 
It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And the best way, and the way he did it, is through planting new churches where there's not a church there already. So we've just had a quick look, really, at the need. And the need is huge. But also we have to think about what the costs of church planting are for us. Because if we do anything, we have to count the cost. And uh, so let's look at that. Well, the first thing is, if we get involved with church planting, we will lose good people. And uh, Ben wrote in his notes, it did make me laugh actually, but it is very tempting for church planters to see church planters, church planters somewhere to send people. Um, you know, and he talks about the frustrated and the frustrating and talks about a church plant to Antarctica. Great idea. Send them there to go and talk to those scientists. I thought that was a great example. Um, I couldn't better that. Um, but of course, church plants don't need that. What they don't need is people with loads of issues and problems. Um, what they need are good people. They need the best. They need people who will pray. They need people who will serve and who will work hard. They need people who will give of their money, of their time and their energy. And of course, they're the people that the churches they went, came from are going to miss the most. So it's serious. And it also will take money and resources away from here. And this morning we're going to take an offering for church planting. And we could have used this money for something else. Maybe for the stuff that we're doing in the church. Maybe to take someone on part time. Maybe to buy some uh, equipment that we need in administration or, or whatever. It may be to start a new project. Something we, we've been waiting to do and we haven't been able to do. And uh, Ben says, and I would agree with that, as a pastor, we could just say, yeah, we'll do gift days, but let's keep the money for the work, for God's work that we're doing here. But then if we're trying to be pioneering, then we need to say, well, no, let's bless the work of God's kingdom elsewhere. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a pastor. But I think the church needs leaders who are more than pastors. They need to be pioneers. And they need to be folk getting, our, getting us focused on the bigger picture. That's one of the reasons why we're looking to get involved in the right apostolic sphere. Because part of that will give us a passion for world mission. Will give us a passion for church planting and get us involved in those sort of things. So I think it's good. God's blessed us with lots of financial resources. And that means we can then use those to bless those who need it the most who might otherwise not hear about, about the good news about Jesus. And of course, church planting is very disruptive. It messes things up. It messes nice plans for the future. Um, I had to give up when I came here several things that I was doing in the other church that I was part of. Someone else had to come into that role. Um, things that we want to do, new projects may not happen as our best people, the people that were going to do it, leave. We may not do things as quickly as we want because we give resources to the work of church planting, either in this nation or beyond. And I think if we're going to be a church planting church, that means our priorities have to be different and they're not all about us. And I think what helps us to cope with this, with the disruption, uh, is to realise that actually it's all God's plan anyway. What we do here what these new church plants are doing, it's all part of God's great plan. And, um, and then it means that we can cope with the feelings, because we don't like change, do we? 
then we can cope with it. But the thing that we need to keep in our mind is it is about Jesus. And it's about his glory. That first and last, whatever happens, his name is glorified. And that his kingdom comes. And that his kingdom grows. And that's what it's about. If we're kingdom minded and we understand that what's happening here in our local church and what's happening out there and the places that we're looking to support are all part of that great plan of God to bring his kingdom and his rule and reign in the world to save men and women from their sins and to bring Jesus to them. When we remember just how important this is, then we can cope with it and we can understand why we need to let it happen in our church. And I think it's right to acknowledge that that if we have church planting as a value, it will cost us. It will be costly for us as a church. You know, some churches will not even consider it as part of what they do. They may have looked at their resources. They may have looked at the costs and decided it isn't for them. And for some churches, I think maybe the church that I grew up in, it's not even on their radar, is it? You know, they may not even realize it's something they should be doing. But I think they'll miss out because there are a lot of benefits as well of church planting. And we're going to look at those now. So there's a few benefits, really, of if we are a church planting church, what ways that God will bless us. And the first thing is we get to see God at work more. Now, what, 10, 11 years ago, just about to go on a holiday, Sue and I, our children were a little bit younger than they are now. And our, our pastor came to see us and said, Steve and Joe Petch are starting a church plant in Billingshurst. You guys have run it. You've got a home group with people from Billingshurst. We'd love you to be part of that. And I felt privileged to be part of that. And um, it was the scariest time of my life, if I'm honest. I'm sure Sue, John, Sam, Pete, Helen, others would say the same. You know, we were exhausted. Um, We did some really crazy, mad things. Uh, But also, it was the most satisfying and amazing time. And it was amazing how God built a strong, effective, growing church from nowhere. And, um, you know, it was very tough. I think at times we wondered, what were we doing? We, why am I doing this? And is that going to work? And we're banging our heads against a brick wall. The suspicion, the hostility, the, the outright opposition that we faced was horrid. You know, and, and there were so many mountains to climb. We were driven to our knees in prayer. Difficult things happened to us as a church. It seemed like we had to pray for everything, that every breakthrough was hard, especially in the early days. And, um, you know, working in a small team and all the pressures and the strains... You know, it certainly, I learned a lot about myself. Some things I didn't want to know, but I learned a lot of things. And God moved us on. And I think, I'm sure all of us, if you spoke to us, you know, we have grown amazingly because of that time. And, um, and we also got to see God do some amazing things. And um, I was saying to John, when I was doing this bit, it almost got me to tears, actually. And I'm not a very emotional guy, really. But I can only look back in amazement. And look at the church that we've got now and say, what a privilege to be part of that and to be part of the leadership of that church. And it didn't stop there. We supported Steve and Joe financially and in other ways and and some of the others who, 
who went from here and started a new church in Chichester, which really grew a bit quicker than a church plant supposed to. You know, I think by the time they were meeting, they had almost 200 people, and, and then it just got bigger and bigger. And um, just heard recently fantastic news. They've actually got a group of people, probably about the size of us, meeting in Bogner. And they're now going to start meeting there on a Sunday morning and meeting twice um, also in uh, Chichester as well because God has really blessed them. And I think as well, if we get involved in church planting, what are we going to see God do next? What amazing miracles are we going to see God do? Isn't it fantastic? So we get to see God at work. I think I've seen God at work more in coming here than in anything else I've ever done in my life. And, um, but we also get to be part of the bigger plan. I've already talked about that, of what God is about. And um, when Ben started this uh, series of vision and values, one of the, the earliest talks he did was about us being a missional church. This was back in September. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the church over the centuries really lost this value um, forgotten about the importance of being on a mission and became really what, what you might call a pastoral community, which was really more about the people in the church looking after them, making sure that they grow in Christ, all good stuff, but not really having much of a heart for others to join them and become part of them. Maybe there might have been a few missionaries you prayed for, but that would have been it. But church planting is one way and a really important way of reminding us that actually we are on a mission and that we have each been commissioned by Jesus, that we've each been called into, into a great adventure with God to win back the nations. And that sounds quite grandiose, but that might just be the people down the road because we are the nations as far as the, well, a lot of the references in the Bible talk about. We're a long way from Israel. And um, it's just great, isn't it, to think actually that there is more to our lives. Actually, John touched on it last week when he spoke about God being our father, that we have a purpose. Part of being in God's family is that we have a purpose. So we're part, by getting involved in church planting, we're making ourselves, we're getting ourselves, reminding ourselves that we're part of a bigger plan. And then we get to be part of Jesus' return. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, the gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. See, one of the conditions of Jesus coming back in glory to gather his church and wrap everything up is that the gospel has got to be preached to all the nations. And that means the word they use is that uh, word that's translated uh, nations, but it actually means people groups. And again, church planting is one way we can do this. And then we get to be part of the great spiritual battle. You know, I love war films. I love bands of brothers and uh, all this kind of stuff, you know, um, where you see these guys really committed to fighting together for a cause, for something that's bigger than them. And um, as Christians, we're in a battle. But there's a bit of a difference because one thing, we're sure about the outcome. We know we're not going to lose. And, uh, and also, we're not fighting other men and women. Uh, Paul talks about this, doesn't he, in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Because he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then I love what Ben's called Jesus' declaration of war in Matthew 16, verse 8, where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And this was Jesus saying, right, there's the powers. I'm telling you, I'm in control now. And on the cross, he took back that authority. And um, my church is coming to take back that ground that you think you rule and reign over. And, um, you know, in, in a battle like that, it's not like we can sort of say we're non-combatants or we, we can live under a truce. We can't say to those spiritual powers, OK, you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. It doesn't work like that. You know, as if the odd person every now and then, they might slip through and defect and come through from the other side. This is a life and death battle. And if we don't fight them, they'll fight us anyway. They'll attack us anyway. And um, I was thinking, what kind of attitude are we looking for here? And Caleb came to mind. And um, this man was 80 years old. This is the age of my father-in-law. And um, just, just blows me away, really. And he comes to Joshua and he says, give me the land I was promised. But there's a problem. Because they didn't have the land. There were other people living on it. So Caleb, with his sons, his daughters, his family, had to go and fight for that land. They had to go and take it. And that's where we are. That's the position that we're in. Jesus has won the victory, and then we have to go as we plant out churches, as we go out and preach the gospel and fight tooth and nail for that, uh, that land. Um, you can think of church plants really as a standard that people can rally around where the troops gather for the next phase of the battle. And then, but it's not so they can stay there and just hold on to that. It's then so they can then move on and grab the next place. And, uh, and that means that's a place of great attack. That's why church planting is difficult. That's why it's hard because the enemy doesn't want us to succeed. But we will, not because of who we are, but because it's God's plan and it's, it's Jesus' church. And I want to be part of that battle, and I hope you do too. And then also, it may cost us, but God actually never remains in anyone's debt. Uh, Paul quotes Jesus at the end of Acts, in Acts twenty thirty-five, and says, Jesus' words, where he says it's more blessed to give than receive. It's actually good for us to give. And part of that is because God is good to us when we give. And Ben gives an example of how he felt when um, he had to release a couple, uh, a good couple in this church to church planting. And he's very honest. He didn't feel blessed at the time. That's quite a normal human reaction. I, I can understand that. But also he can remember not many weeks later that another couple came and joined the church. And there are a couple that are still with us. I don't know who they are because I've only got his notes. But... Um, They've been a great blessing to the church. And actually, I can say that we've lost one or two, but God seems to have given us more. And that's the way God works. And there's a, there's a really famous verse. There's a really favorite, actually favorite verse of mine in Luke 6, 38, that really sums the way that God's economy works, which is not like the world's economy, where Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, 
will be poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's an amazing promise, isn't it? And I think we can apply that to church planting. We can't outgive God. It may be in the short term we lose a bit of money. We lose a few people. But God will bless us, maybe in a different way. And um, I think that applies to us as individuals and, um, you know, as we're considering giving. God will honour your generosity. And um, whatever you freely decide to give, and I'm only talking to our church members here, not expecting our guests to give, um, you can never outgive God. It may be you get it in a different way. It may not be the money that's replaced. But actually, I can say that. My experience is that, and I'm sure others can say that too, that God will bless you for your generosity. Okay. And then also, I think this is a good, I think this is great. Another reason for being involved in church planting that Ben's looked at here is that we will have the attitude of a church planter. And you wonder, what am I saying here? Well, I think he's looking at us being pioneering. And um, when I look at that, that's something I would like to keep. That's something I'd like to have as an attitude in me. And I'd love to see that in as many of us here as possible. Because when you think like a church planter, you think completely differently. There's a passion about what you do. There's an urgency about what you do. And it affects some of the very simple choices that you make in life. And uh, I was thinking about this because I think church planters think differently about where they're going to live. Because they're not just looking at it as a place where they'd really like to live, that might have the best schools, the best public transport, nice shops down the road, whatever. But actually, they might look as where they live to be the place where there's the most people to reach for Jesus. And and I was thinking of something else when I thought about that, because there's been this Save Billingshurst campaign, which I love their posters, because they just assume that we all think like them, and we don't want these houses up up to the north here. These, well, I think it's now 550. I think it's dropped a bit. But actually, I have to say my reaction instantly, I know Ben's was as well because I heard him say it, great, more people to join the church. You know, and it is. There's a different heart there, isn't there? And um, you also, I think church planters think differently about the jobs that they take on because they're looking not just to provide for themselves and their families, although that's good. They're also looking to see what connections they can build for their work. They think differently about their standard of living. That maybe they they drop their standard of living so they can give more to the church because they think that that is more important than having a 50-inch plasma TV. And I'm not having to go anywhere. It's just an example, please. Um, They also think differently about their free time. And it's not lust for one either. Um, They think, you know, they they think, how can I get my neighbours involved? How can I, you know, they think about finding out what people who live where they live are doing and getting involved in that. They might do things they don't want to do, like joining clubs and societies. Um, When we first moved here, I joined the local football club. And actually, I got to know a lot of non-Christian guys who I wouldn't know otherwise. So, yeah, it's great. They might join the PTA. They'll do whatever they need to do to get more involved in their community, not expecting people to come to them. Because that never happens. And they'll prioritise prayer. They'll make prayer really important. They want to pray for the people that they live with, for the place that they live. And they will just keep hammering it away, even when they feel tired, even when 
Maybe you don't, they don't feel like it. They'll still come out and pray. And they'll think carefully about their social life. Try not to be too inclusive and just keep all their friends in the church. And it's challenging to think to be like a church plant. It means you have to make hard decisions. But if you want to see the church grow and reach out, then it has to start with us. And when I say that, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else. And, and we need to be like that so that our choices, our actions are made with the attitude of a church planter. Even if, even if we stay here to the day we die, we need that attitude just because we're not just because we're not going off the road somewhere else and planting a church doesn't mean we're not on that mission doesn't mean that we shouldn't have that kind of heart and reason because we should be looking to that need and we should see that the that people need to know about Jesus and yet it will cost us it will bring disruption but we will know it's worth it because we'll see the kingdom of God growing and we'll see men and women's lives transformed by the by the power of the gospel. Okay. Right, we're getting there. So, how are we going to do this? I like to be practical when I preach. don't like to just talk a lot of facts. And um, what sort of things are we going to do as a church? We've got... F- That's good. I've got my notes. One, two, three, three. I don't know how. It's four things. Okay, this is good. Right, first thing is, I've already talked about it, we're going to pray into it. We're going to be a pray about places, we're going to pray for Bogner. We'll pray for places like Haven, I know there's a church plant happening there. Pray for Waterlooville. Um, people in this local area looking to Stenning, we'll pray for places like that. Um, ben has put a map of the UK and a map of the world in his office. And he's also hoping to put a map of, of uh, Sussex in as well. And if anyone knows where we can get one, that would be really helpful. Um, We're going to keep praying when we regularly pray for our community. And um, we're going to be praying in September. We're going to have a 24 hours of prayer again. We're going to pray for lots of different things with the theme of revival. And we will pray for God in, in that to start new churches, whether that be locally, nationally or across the world. And then we can support those who've already gone. Um, I know that Ben supports uh, Nigel Dutton, who's a friend of ours. He used to lead the church in Hastings and took a a really incredibly bold step to move with his family to Berlin and start a church there. And I know that Ben emails them regularly, keeps up with what's happening and um, uses that to pray for them. He also tells them what's happening here and keeps an eye on them and uh, really supports them. So maybe, you know, you can do that. If you know someone who's involved in church planting, you can just offer to keep in touch with them and uh, support and pray for them. I was very interested, actually. Ben was also saying that um, when they go on holiday in Cornwall, they go to Grace Church in Churro, which is a, a fairly new church, a church plant, and support them. So there's, there's things we can do like that as well. But if people go from this church, then I think it would be great to support them as well. And I want to talk a bit about my third point, which is really look for opportunities ourselves. Because actually, it's very easy to look at the subject of church planting and say, yep, that church planting is great. Not me, though. Not me. And there can be lots of reasons why we say that. It may be we think we've got nothing to offer. Well, I would question that. 
it may feel, we may feel we haven't been a Christian for very long. Well, actually, that isn't always the case. Often fairly new Christians get involved in church plants. It may be that we don't feel we can pay the price. It might be because of our, the situation that our children are in, um, family issues, whatever. Well, I don't know. But actually, I've talked about the benefits of church planting and I can talk about it personally because we had to face issues about our um, kids in school and being unsettled. But we decided God wanted us there and God would honour them, would honour us for that. And actually he has. And I'm really pleased about that. And um, just to tell you a little bit about my own story, um, we were running a cell group, which ended up with half our group came from Billingshurst. And um, we started praying with these with these guys and we came over here and um, really quite out of the blue, quite unexpectedly. Somehow we started to get involved in in the answer of that prayer. And. um, You know, I have to be honest, at that point, I never would have seen myself as a church planter. I always saw that as for more dynamic people. Better Christians than me. But actually, someone did see me as a church plant, and that was God. And I had to take that seriously. So please don't rule yourself out, because you will never know what God has in store for you. And the last thing we'll do, and we're going to do that in a minute, is we're going to give financially. And uh, we're going to both do that today, but also in the future. And as a church, we're always going to make giving to the work of church planting one of our priorities. As something that we value and think it's important to support and encourage. Because it costs money when people start church plantings. You have to hire halls. You have to advertise. Sometimes there are salaries. There are set-up costs, bits of equipment to buy. It's amazing what comes out of the woodwork. And um, it requires lots of money up front with little return. But Jesus talks uh, in Matthew six twenty-one about where your treasure is. And he's talking about money. There your heart will be also. Because if your money's invested in your home, then that's where your heart's going to be. If your money's invested in, in stocks and shares and investments, then your heart will fluctuate with the rise and fall of the market. It's probably quite low at the moment. Um, if all your money's invested in your children, your heart will be completely dependent upon their success or failure. Or perhaps we can do what Jesus advises to do, and invest our heart in things that will, heavenly things that will last. Because if we really belong to Jesus, and we say that he has our heart, then where should our money be? Where we want it, or where he wants it? And actually, it's a privilege, I think, to give and put our money, our hearts into church planting, and to see God at work, and to see those 7,000 unreached people groups begin to be touched. And those 27 people groups here in this country. And I know that several of the church plants in um, New Frontiers are reaching out to to other groups who are not English. Okay. So I'm nearly there now. In Romans 8.19, Paul says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. 
And um, I don't know when you, when you hear this, you could sort of think of sad animals, disappointed trees, frustrated oceans, all waiting for the end of the world and the glorious new world to come. I can't get that excited about that. But actually, what was the best part of creation for God? What was the part of creation that God didn't just say it was good, but said it was very good? It was man. It was mankind, the pinnacle of his creation. And I think he's talking about much more here, Paul. He's talking about all of creation. And that will be people in our workplaces, our schools, our colleges, our communities. People that the gospel may not have yet reached in villages, towns and cities all over the world who are waiting eagerly and expectantly for the sons of God to be revealed. Even if they don't even know it yet, but there's something inside of their hearts. But one day, a creation that's been frustrated by sin and the bondage that creation brings will one day be brought into the glorious freedom that we as children of God already enjoy. That this longing for freedom that's in people's heart from all their pain, their hurting, their sin, their guilt, Shame and rejection will be answered when the children of God come into their own. That their hearts that are crying out because of the slavery that they're under, whether that be to sex, drugs, food, work, money, relationships, pleasure, whatever, where they cannot see a way out, but there is a way out through Jesus Christ. When our hurting, polluted, dispossessed, spiritually poor world sees the revelation of the sons of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Because what they're waiting for is the church. They're waiting for the church to come to their neighborhood, their workplace, their school. They're waiting for brave Christians, ordinary people like us, who will count the cost but come anyway, and who are ready to take back stolen ground from the enemy through prayer, evangelism, and sheer hard work. And I wonder, how could we not want to be part of that and also be part of blessing others as we support this vital work as we give this morning? And also, why not get more involved in church planting and having the the attitude of a church planter in everything that we do here in this church? Okay, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Father God, actually in preparing... This talk, in taking it over from Ben, I have been really challenged. And Lord, I, I remember what it was like when I first came here and the heart that I had for this place. And not that this has gone away, but Lord, I want to pray for each of us here in this church. That Lord, that we would have your heart for the lost. And that we would value your church Not because we're perfect, not because we've got everything sorted out, but because the church is your plan for the nations. Your church is the hope for the world. So, Lord, please just get us caught up in that again. Get us caught up in our purpose and our plan as the church. Thank you for the church, Lord. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross and that somehow you get us involved in that that you use ordinary men and women like us to bring your truth to this world. So, Lord, yeah, just open up our hearts now to what you want us to do. Talk to us about our giving if, you've not, if we've not 
sorted that out yet, Lord. Just help us to understand that it's not a legalistic thing. It's about getting involved in your purposes and your plans. That this small gift that we can give can have an impact beyond what we can imagine. But also, Lord, touch our hearts. Remind us of what we're about. Holy Spirit, remind us that we're on a mission and that we have a purpose in you. And Lord, just, yeah, just thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for what you did. Thank you that it's about you and it's about your glory, Lord. I pray that what we're doing now will be about your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen.